AFF on Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day and a warm welcome to episode 67 of AFF On Air, the podcast that helps you to maximise your frequent flyer points. It's Saturday the 21st of August 2021. Coming up in this episode, what it's like inside hotel quarantine in Australia. I'll speak to somebody who's currently in hotel quarantine in Brisbane. And Qantas Frequent Flyer gives another round of status extensions. I'll have all the details. But first, let's begin with a roundup of other airline and frequent fly news from the past fortnight. And firstly, Virgin Australia has removed checked baggage, seat selection, a range of velocity benefits and reduced status credits on its cheapest economy class tickets. It's part of a shake-up to its domestic fare brands. Virgin's economy getaway, elevate and freedom fares are gone, now replaced by light, choice and flex fares. Business saver fares have also been removed, with all Virgin business class fares now featuring the same inclusions and earning the same rate of status credits. The biggest change is a huge reduction in benefits on those cheap economy light fares, which no longer come with checked baggage, even for Velocity Silver, Gold or Platinum members. They also no longer come with complimentary seat selection, cannot be upgraded either using points or through upgrade bids, earn fewer status credits and do not count as Velocity eligible sectors for the purpose of earning Virgin Australia status. On routes of up to 750 miles, like Sydney to Brisbane or Sydney to Melbourne, Velocity members now only earn five status credits instead of seven on those economy light fares. On mid-length routes, like Adelaide to Alice Springs, the earn rate reduces from 10 to seven status credits. And on longer domestic flights, economy light tickets now earn 10 instead of 15 status credits on routes like Sydney to Perth. Platinum members will still get complimentary seat selection on economy light fares, but everyone else will have to wait until three hours before departure or otherwise pay a seat selection fee between $7 and $10. The upshot, though, is that the economy light fares in general are pretty cheap, so it seems like a clever move. I mean, Virgin can advertise lead-in fares that are competitive with Jetstar while also encouraging people to pay a little bit more if they want more inclusions. It's similar to the Air New Zealand model in New Zealand. With economy choice fares costing only $20 more and now earning triple the amount of status credits compared to light fares, buying up to a choice fare does seem like a no-brainer at this point, and I'm sure that's exactly Virgin's intention. While economy light fares do now earn fewer status credits, there have been some increases though to status credit earn rates for other fare types. All business class airfares now earn status credits at the higher business rates, and there have also been uh, some increases. Um, economy air flex and business fares on routes between 751 and 1500 miles, like Adelaide to Perth or Adelaide to Brisbane, also now earn more status credits. But from the 19th of November, Virgin Australia will remove the fly-ahead benefit for Velocity Gold members travelling on economy choice fares. That was the benefit that let you turn up to the airport early and get on an earlier flight for free if there were seats available. Gold members will soon need to be booked on a flexible ticket to access this benefit, which is unfortunate. And in some bad news for Velocity members, Virgin Australia Gold and Platinum members will no longer receive access to Delta Sky Club lounges when travelling on domestic Delta flights within the United States from next month. 
From the 1st of September, Velocity Gold and Platinum members will only be able to access Delta Sky Clubs when departing on an international Delta flight that day or connecting on the same day to an international flight with Delta on the same ticket. And by Delta's own definition, international travel does not include flights to or from the Caribbean, Guam, Palau or Saipan, but it does include flights between the US and Canada, Mexico, Central America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa and Australia. This is the same rule that applies to most of Delta's own frequent flyers and SkyTeam Elite Plus members when travelling on Delta Airlines. With SkyTeam status, you don't generally get access to the lounge when travelling just on a domestic booking, and that uh, doesn't just apply to Delta, it applies to all airlines. But for many years, there had been a reciprocal agreement where Velocity Gold and Platinum members could get lounge access on domestic itineraries with Delta, just as Delta SkyMiles members could access Virgin Australia lounges within Australia on domestic tickets. Qantas will now continue flying from Sydney and Brisbane to Norfolk Island until the 30th of June 2022, after Air New Zealand announced it will not be able to take over the routes from the end of this month as planned. Air New Zealand had previously said it would open a new crew base in Brisbane to ensure it would be able to reliably serve Norfolk Island from Australia starting from the end of August. But with the Trans-Tasman bubble still suspended and the airline is no longer able to do this in time. Air New Zealand has long held the Australian government contract to service the routes from Brisbane and Sydney to Norfolk Island, and it is still due to resume flights to Norfolk Island in July 2022. But Qantas has been serving Norfolk Island from mainland Australia instead since March this year, after Air New Zealand repeatedly had to cancel flights due to crewing issues. And sadly, changes to state border restrictions across Australia continue to change all the time as different parts of the country come in and out of lockdown. Among some of the new, more permanent rules to be aware of, Western Australia has effectively now banned pretty much anyone um, except government officials or returning residents or essential travellers who've been vaccinated from arriving from New South Wales. Since the start of the current outbreak in Sydney, Western Australia has already required anyone arriving into the state from New South Wales to have an exemption to enter the state and undergo 14 days of isolation or quarantine after arriving and get tested after about day 11 or 12. Last week, it added two new categories to its border control measures. Previously, the highest was medium risk. It now also has high risk and extreme risk categories. New South Wales has already been moved to high risk, which means now that anyone arriving in Western Australia from New South Wales with an exemption will also now need to get a negative COVID-19 test within 72 hours before flying to WA and have had at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine if eligible for one. Western Australia has also flagged that New South Wales will soon be moved to an extreme risk zone because the cases are now above 500 a day, which would mean that most people, except government officials, will not be eligible to get an exemption to enter the state from New South Wales at all. And this is even more strict than the rules for international arrivals into Western Australia from countries you know, outside of Australia. Meanwhile, the Northern Territory will no longer be allowing people from COVID-19 hotspots that it has declared without a pre-approved exemption to enter the state. And it's generally only giving um, exemptions now for returning Northern Territory residents or people who um, who meet other specific criteria for needing to travel to the Northern Territory. 
The NT has also declared Sydney and Canberra airports, specifically as COVID-19 hotspots, effectively banning people from even transiting through those airports en route to the Northern Territory, except for people with an exemption who are going into quarantine on arrival anyway. Queensland, meanwhile, has tightened the rules around its New South Wales border zone, effectively stopping most travel across the border from northern New South Wales, and South Australia has removed its border zone exemption for residents of Broken Hill. And arrivals from New Zealand to Australia have been suspended until at least next week due to a new outbreak in New Zealand that has sent the whole of that country into lockdown for at least a week. Now, Australian Frequent Flyer has an article which summarises the border rules for each Australian state and territory. This article has links directly to the relevant government websites with all the latest travel rules, and the article itself is also updated every Monday morning. Singapore Airlines' Chris Flyer program has introduced Chris Flyer for families, allowing parents to transfer miles out of their children's account until they turn 16 years old. Parents and guardians can now set up a parental link with the accounts of up to five of their own children aged between 2 and 15 years old on the Singapore Airlines website. Once linked, parents will be able to transfer up to 50,000 Chris Flyer miles per calendar year out of each child's account into their own. And Chris Flyer is also giving 500 bonus miles to parents who link at least one child's account to theirs by the 31st of August this year. But the transfers are not free. Singapore Airlines is charging 500 miles or $5 US for every 5,000 Chris Flyer miles transferred out of a child's account. And Qantas says that the points auction it ran a couple of weeks ago was so successful, it's already planning a second one to take place later this year. Qantas loyalty CEO Olivia Wirth said that the airline was thrilled by the response to their initiative and that it's already planning what prizes to offer in the second round, but early requests include more luxury travel experiences and Qantas memorabilia. So we'll see what they come up with. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. Qantas has extended its status extension offer for another six months. Qantas Frequent Flyer members with a membership year ending between January or June 2022 will now have the opportunity to easily extend their status for another year if they live in Australia or New Zealand by booking just one eligible flight. And Qantas members who live outside of Australia and New Zealand with membership years ending up until June 2022 will now automatically receive another 12-month extension without needing to book any new flights. If you live in Australia or New Zealand and your Qantas Frequent Flyer year ends between now and June next year, you can claim your status extension by looking at by booking at least one new eligible Qantas or Jetstar flight between now and the end of your current Qantas Frequent Flyer membership year for travel until June 2022. An eligible flight for the purpose of this offer is any Qantas operated flight with a QF flight number or any Jetstar flight that is eligible to earn Qantas points except for domestic Jetstar flights within Australia. So that would include things like Jetstar flights within New Zealand or Jetstar Asia or Jetstar Japan flights. 
This offer does not override the previous one uh, that Qantas made earlier this year for people with a membership year ending up until the 31st of December 2021. And so if you've already booked an eligible flight under the previous offer and your membership year ends sometime between August and December, you are still eligible for that status extension and the rollover. And the rollover also applies in this case. Once the offer is activated by booking that eligible Qantas flight, you don't need to register for the offer or anything. You just need to book a flight. Uh, Qantas will also roll over the status credits that are earned by members in their current membership year into the next membership year up to a cap. And these, any status credits earned on the ground are also eligible for that rollover, although the maximum number of status credits is capped based on your status tier. For silver members, it's 100 status credits. For gold members, 250. Platinum, 500. And platinum one members can have up to 1,800 status credits earned in their current membership year rolled over into the next year if they take that one eligible flight. Now, paid airfares and classic flight rewards both do count according to the offer terms and conditions. And uh, according to the offer terms and conditions, also, if you book a flight and then Qantas later cancels it, you are still eligible for the rollover. However, you're not eligible um, for the rollover and the extension if you book a flight and then you cancel it. So, um, But you don't actually have to fly before the end of your current membership year. And um, yeah, overall, it seems like a pretty generous offer, which is... Um, you know, obviously an acknowledgement that travel around Australia and overseas is not quite back to normal yet, unfortunately. Meanwhile, Virgin Australia has not yet announced a further status extension for Velocity members, but this is likely to be announced soon, so watch this space. Our Qantas also has not ruled out offering further status support beyond June 2022. And on this subject, the airline says that while it is currently offering support to members with a status end date up until the 30th of June 2022, it is looking at other ways they can support members during these challenging times. And depending on how long travel restrictions continue, they will update members closer to the time. So we can watch this space on that as well. Now, when Qantas announced these latest extensions, many frequent flyers would have breathed a sigh of relief, especially some of the current uh, Platinum One members who feel that there's just no way that they would be able to re-qualify at the moment with half the country locked down and international borders still closed. But there are occasionally exceptions to this. One Australian frequent flyer member, John, whose AFF handle ironically is ANSET, not Qantas, but um, has managed to actually earn Platinum One status this year from scratch. Now, he did this, um, he did get some support from uh, like status credits being rolled over and, you know, the status boosts from earlier this year as a previous Platinum member, but he still had to earn 3,000 status credits this year to uh, get to Platinum One. And he did this by flying from Melbourne to Darwin in business class six times uh, there and back in April and May of this year. Um, he booked all of the flights during a double status credits promotion. So obviously, you know, got double status credits on those. And he also booked indirect routings via Brisbane, Adelaide or Alice Springs, or in one case via both Adelaide and Alice Springs uh, to maximize the status credits earned. And since he also booked the flights when they were all on sale, he ended up spending just under $10,000 to book all of those flights. Um, and I mean, $10,000 for 3,000 status credits is actually pretty good in, in Australia. <laughs> Now, obviously, John got lucky with the timing there and only had to postpone one of his six trips due to Melbourne going into lockdown at one point during that period when he was doing those trips. And of course, many others won't be in a position to do the same right now, which is unfortunate. 
Now, if you're interested to read more about how and also why John decided to do this, uh, I did. I interviewed him for an article on the Australian Frequent Flyer last week, which is called How a Qantas Flyer Earned Platinum One Status in 2021. And you can find that on australianfrequentflyer.com.au or linked in the podcast episode notes. Turn your bills into business class with the SNP app. Whether it's an ATO bill, rates, utilities, phone, school fees, body corporate or any of the other 60,000 plus bills with a BPAY biller code on it, you can pay it with SNP and earn full frequent flyer points for your credit card spend. You can use your Visa, MasterCard or American Express to pay bills with the SNP app and pay just a 1.5% processing fee including GST. There are no other hidden fees. The 1.5% processing fee even applies for American Express payments. Now, that's just 0.05% more than the ATO's card payment surcharge for Amex. And with SNP, you'll earn points on your Amex card at the full everyday spend rate and not the reduced rate that you'd normally get at the tax office. SNP also has some convenient features. You can connect your emails to the SNP app and have your billers automatically added to the app when they arrive in your inbox. You'll then get a handy push notification when your bill's ready for payment. You can pay the bill on the spot, schedule it for later, set up an instalment plan or create a recurring payment. And you can even use Apple Pay or Google Pay. So it's no surprise why SNP has processed more than $150 million worth of bill payments and counting. It really is the easiest and most rewarding way to pay your bills. With tax time in front of us now, there's never been a better time to try SNP. Simply download the free SNP app on your mobile device and enter the code AFF10 on sign up for $10 off your first bill payment. That's SNP with two I's, S-N-I-I-P. Tens of thousands of Australians have undergone 14 days of hotel quarantine since March 2020, and reviews have been really mixed. Some have said that it was the worst experience of their lives, but others have found it quite bearable. In this episode, I'm joined by someone who's currently in hotel quarantine at the Marriott Hotel in Brisbane. Alisa, who is an AFF member, her handle's Oz Ali, flew from Darwin to Brisbane via Melbourne just under two weeks ago. Now, at that time, Darwin was not a COVID-19 hotspot, um, according to Queensland, but Melbourne was. Unfortunately for Elisa, the airline changed her flights multiple times and the two-hour layover in Melbourne that she had originally booked eventually became a 23-hour overnight layover. And since Brisbane was also in lockdown at the time, no direct flights were offered from Darwin to Brisbane. And yeah, the flight, just the amount of flights available um, in and out of Brisbane were really limited at the time. So with such a long layover and no other flights available, Elisa left Melbourne Airport overnight during her layover to go to an airport hotel just 600 metres walking distance from the terminal, wearing a mask at all times and interacting only with the hotel receptionist. It was a costly mistake, literally. Although the Queensland government does allow people to transit via airports in places it considers to be COVID-19 hotspots while en route to Queensland, it considered this visit to an airport hotel to be leaving the confines of the airport. And as a result, Elisa was hauled into hotel quarantine for 14 days when she arrived back home in Queensland, a stay that is going to cost her $3,220. 
Alisa says that she wasn't aware at the time that this counted as entering a COVID hotspot, but she does acknowledge that she should have checked the rules more carefully before travelling and is now dealing with the consequences and, well, taking it all in her stride, really. Alisa is now almost at the end of her quarantine period in Brisbane, but she's still in good spirits. Over the past couple of weeks, she's been sharing live updates on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, posting as Oz Ali, and she also joins me now. Welcome, Alisa, to the AFF On Air podcast. Hi, Matt. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you on. And so, the, the whole story about how you ended up in hotel quarantine in itself is really quite unfortunate. How, how come you ended up in quarantine? <laughs> well, originally when I booked my flights, I didn't have a great big long layover like I ended up with. Um, while I was in Darwin, I ended up having my flights changed four different times. And I think it was the last change not long before I left Darwin that gave me a layover of 23 hours and 25 minutes in Melbourne. And I thought to myself, well, I am not staying in the airport for all that time without thinking of any other like problem that might occur. I just booked myself into the closest motel that I could, which was the Ibis Airport Motel, which is 600 metres away. And yes. <laughs> yeah, I've just had a look at the on the map and uh, like the Ibis Budget Hotel at Melbourne Airport is basically, it's within the airport precinct. It's a short walk from mm. the terminal and it's, you know, it is the only uh, hotel around Melbourne Airport also that's not quite currently a quarantine hotel. So it would have been the only option for an overnight stop. Um, but that's Queensland right. considered that to be entering a COVID hotspot. <laughs> yes. And I didn't really, oh, look, I should have done more research before I left because I didn't attempt to fill in the Queensland um, border pass until I actually arrived in Melbourne. So that was when my panic started, when I was in the hotel and sort of read, I started to read the instructions and that, you know, have I transited through a hotspot? And I thought, well, currently Melbourne is a hotspot. It wasn't when I booked the tickets. And another thing that I thought was a bit weird was that why would Virgin have put me on a flight that went via from Darwin to Melbourne for that long and then to Brisbane the next day, knowing that Melbourne was a hotspot? I mean, yeah, I suppose they could have thought, well, she can stay in the motor, uh, in the the airport overnight, but I'd yeah, I yeah. didn't think of that. I just thought, no, I want comfort. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, a twenty-three hour layover is a long time to spend in the confines of the airport, which is, I guess, how Queensland Queensland does allow transits through Melbourne Airport, but you know, within the conf- you have to stay within the confines of the airport. And twenty-three hours yeah. is obviously a long time to do that yeah. when the lounges are closed <laughs> and all that as well. Um, yeah. And and they Virgin didn't offer you a direct Darwin Brisbane flight either. No, and I really didn't check I but I at the time though there were hardly any flights I think there was about one flight we were down because of all the lockdowns yeah, so everywhere. Brisbane was there also was in lockdown at this point was it yes yeah, yeah everything was kind of in lockdown so yeah it was really difficult I was probably lucky I was able to get on a any flight at all yeah. yeah, and so you, you're as well, you're a returning Queensland resident, so you were yes. eventually allowed into Queensland with the permit. But mm-hmm. what, what happened when you arrived at Brisbane Airport? Well, you just had to, they had police um, waiting 
for everyone to get off the flight. Then they ushered you over into a line and then they had a like a lineup of other police with desks and um, someone would call you over as each one was free and you just had to show your printout of oh, or print out or on your phone or iPad your um, the border pass that you got. Okay, and so you explained to them, I guess, that you had only just went been to the airport motel in in Melbourne, and that you had come from Darwin, right? And they they said that that you know too bad that you've been you've entered the hotspot and you're going to have to go to a hotel, didn't they? Each person's border pass had a letter in a square up the top that was really obvious, and um, yeah, mine was one of the unlucky ones. So yeah. And so I went to, after I spoke to the policeman at the desk, then I was sent over to another area with other people to sit and wait before being ushered again down the elevators and to wait for a bus. And we were taken in a bus, escorted by some nice police, and we had to fill in a form, and then we were all dropped off at the Marriott at the front, but we could only get off one at a time. If you were a family, you could get off together. So it was a really slow process. I think I counted there was about 25 people on the bus. So, yeah, you were on there for quite, it was quite some time before you could get off. And then um, your bag was taken out, you were taken into the motel and then escorted by another policeman up to your room and that's it. You're given paperwork that explained everything. And it was like that's the last you saw of sort of outside for a while until you leave. (laughs) So So, when did you find out you were going to go to the Marriott Hotel? Uh, I think it was while we were still at the airport. Okay. Because I've I've heard that sometimes they don't tell you until you actually arrive at the hotel. Maybe they only do that if it's not one of the nice hotels. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because I remember hearing it and they they definitely told us because I remember going, hey, wait, what? The Marriott? And I'm looking it up and I thought, that's a really nice one. And I'm thinking, you don't sort of think about, or too much about these sort of things until you're faced with it. And I'd heard, obviously, a lot of stuff in the media about, usually negative, about people staying in quarantine. And I thought to myself, what could be so bad about the Marriott? Yeah. So what's your room like? Um, Do you know how big is it? And do you have any windows or anything like that? Yeah, I've got a big sort of window with a chaise next to it that I can look out. I've got a street view. I missed out on the river view, but that's okay. It's pretty big. It's one of the smallest rooms. It's a king room, but it's pretty big. And it's got a a bathroom with a bath in it and a shower and a telly and nice king bed. And yeah, it's, I can't complain at all. A desk and it's got a jug. <laughs> and um yeah, you don't get a microwave or anything like that. The motel just doesn't have microwaves or toasters or whatever. But yeah, it was a bit overwhelming at first and sort of, you know, wondering, oh, what's gonna happen? But I've settled in and um it's like 
I don't know if I want to go home. Yeah. So you're now <laughs> 10 days into your 14 day stay. You'll be coming out um, early next week. Um, yeah. It sounds like, you know, you've actually not had, you know, a really bad time. It sounds like you've been quite positive mm. about it and they might even have to try and drag you out at the end of it. I know. Well, I can understand how some people might not enjoy themselves or yeah. complain. It, do- it depends on a lot of things. It could be a different motel. It yeah. could be, you know, different chefs. Um, but I – or the per- it's the person's personality or if you're sharing, like if you've got little kids, I can imagine that would be a total nightmare. And, um, well, I'm here by myself. I live by myself at home. My kids have grown up and left home. The only thing that's different is I don't have my cats. But that's okay. I FaceTime him. And um, it's my personality is I'm absolutely fine. It's not worrying me. I mean, it would be nice to be able to have some fresh air. The windows do not open. I don't have a balcony. But there's air con. Yeah. You know, three meals a day are brought to you. It sounds like your experience has been overall pretty good, but I mean, yeah, as you say, I guess it does depend on like, I guess your personality also like which hotel you end up, which room you end up in and just, you know, a bit of luck, I guess, and you don't get to pick. So I guess, can you understand why some people haven't had such a good time? Yeah, I can understand it. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm not in their shoes, so I, you know, I'm not in their situation you know, I don't know their mental health or, you know, it, it must be different for different people in different places. Yeah. So what are the meals like? You know, is it good, fresh food? Is there lots of food? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and healthy, healthier than what I eat at home. And, um, you know, the uh, and there's such a variety. It's not like the same all the time. So, I mean, yeah, you might get some the same like twice I've had pancakes with ice cream and maple syrup. That doesn't sound and so bad. No, for breakfast, just about every day I think we've had a croissant with butter and jam and um, sometimes you'll get a hot breakfast which is um, like a an omelette with some hash browns, sausages. A few times we've had cereal and lunches are – mostly salad and, or rolls. They're not hot. Lunches aren't hot, but that's okay. They're all really like gourmet sandwiches. Uh, today's was a Turkish um, bread uh, roll thing with turkey and lots of salad. Night times, um, you always get, it's like a three-course meal. You always get a, a really nice soup and it's not out of a tin and a nice uh, meal. And I've never not liked the meal. Uh, it's very, very, very filling um, that I can't eat at all. And a little dessert, which is always presented lovely with a little flower. And, um, yeah, and you always get fruit. You get juices and you get, um, like, poppers and you get bottles of water. But if you, you know, run out of that, there's a tap. Yeah. Um, we do get a few snacks like popcorn or little mini packets of chips or, you know, you get a Freddo frog or, you know, one little mini chocolate, things like that. There's just 
yeah, I just can't complain about it at all. Yeah, and I guess if you need anything else from the outside, can you order in things like Uber Eats or can you get people to drop things off for you? Yes, you definitely can. Um, they just Uber Eats, whoever you're getting it delivered from takes it to reception and someone will bring it up. You'll get a knock on your door. You've got to the processes. You put your mask on. You wash your hands and then you wait 10 seconds until whoever it is has left and then you open the door and everything, your meals are all in um, paper bags. You just bring that in or if it's a delivery. um, I've ordered from Amazon and had it delivered here. I had to order a second bag. So I had that delivered. It, It came quicker here than what it would have come back home. And also I've ordered, if you've got, I was a little bit worried at the start because I needed medication and I only had enough for my trip while I was away in Darwin, but they um, organised for you to call Price, the local price line, and they will sort it out for you and it was delivered. So I had all my medications that I needed all delivered and um, you're allowed other things too, like there. I think I said earlier, there's no microwave in the room. You are allowed to have brought in certain appliances that are under 1,000 watts. And a kind person on the AFF forum put me in touch with, there's a $48 special at one of the department stores. But uh, that didn't work out because they'd sold out. So oh, I was okay. going to get that, and uh, yeah. But anyway. But it's good that you've been able to you've been able to work that out because especially since you were planning to be away for one week and not three. Yes. Um, by the time yes. that the food arrives, is it still hot? Well, not really. In the evening, it's sort of like lukewarm. It's not like oh, I can't eat this. But it would be nice if it was hotter. But I I do understand that they've got a lot of people all at once sort of delivering food. So by the time it gets here, it has cooled down a bit. But be prepared. You can get a microwave in. You can get a $48 one. And I know the big W one is um, the 700 watt one. Or you can get someone bring you one in a second. If it's a sec, if it's not brand new, brand new is absolutely fine. But anything that people bring in that isn't new. They're um, handy people here. Maintenance people have to check them over so to make sure that they're safe. Uh, okay. And so, are you allowed to leave the room at all during the two weeks, or like, are there any services available at the hotel? Like, can you get laundry done, that kind of thing, or is it really just like stay in your room for two weeks, nothing in or out, other than you know, food in, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not allowed to go out. You just uh, yeah allowed to open the door just to get whatever that you, you hear you tap on the door, that's the only time that's you it. can open the door. And as far as um, there are facilities here, like a gym and a pool, but no, we can't go to them. But you can hire the gym equipment. I've seen it on, there's a menu on the TV that tells you what you can order from, you know, there's a menu that you can order and have sent up to you. As a matter of fact, my son rang up and got a bottle of wine delivered to my room. So that was really nice. And um, people can send you care packages. I had my cousin send make up one and send it to me. 
also, yeah, on the menu, like there's alcohol, but there's a limit. They won't let you sort of, even if you want to order alcohol in from somewhere else, you've just got to be sensible. Otherwise, they will hold it downstairs. But yes, there's alcohol and you can order. Yes. And you can order, there's a few other things you can order, like a few little snacks and and batteries and personal bathroom items. But I guess that would be added to your bill, right? Yes, you do pay. You give them your credit card details and then once they've got that, they'll start taking things off there. And you did ask me about laundry. Mm. The government gives us an allowance of $16.50 a day for up to five items and it carries over if you don't use it. And so have people been checking in on you? Like have you been getting calls from police or from like health workers or the hotel staff? Yes, I have um, been called a couple of times to be checked on by Queensland Health. So they ring you up, I think, the day after you get here to explain the process and double check that you know everything and to confirm with you about you've got to have three COVID tests while you're in here. So I've had two tests so far and you get a text to let you know and both of mine were negative, which I knew that would be. Well, of course they were. You didn't. You barely yeah. even left the airport. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> in Melbourne. I mean, it sounds like you know, despite the, it's obviously quite unexpected. You know, adding on two weeks onto your trip, um, which was only originally one week, and um, it's yes. going to be quite expensive. I mean, hotel quarantine in Queensland, it's going to cost you over three thousand dollars, which is oh, a really yeah. expensive night in in the Ibis budget in Melbourne. I have to say. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I honestly can't complain. So apart from the cost. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I am, you can apply for a a waiver. So I am, you've got to wait till you get your your invoice at the end. So um, I am going to apply for that, put my case to them and mention all the flight changes and everything like that. I mean, that weren't me changing them. Also, I mean, I can only have a crack at it. But also, if that doesn't work, you do get um, repayment periods. You can apply to have repayment over 6, 12 or 18 months, depending on your balance. Okay. And, if it, yeah, that cost of 3220 is just for me. I'm here by myself. One person, if there's two adults in a room, it's 4,130. Two adults and two children in one room, 5,040. So, yes, um, <laughs> just make sure you do all your research. Yes, before <laughs> before transiting via yes. potentially a hotspot. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh. Yeah, I've definitely learned a few lessons, but look. Yeah, it is what it is, and I can't do much about it. Yeah, and you're still, I mean, as we speak now, you're 10 days into your quarantine, and it's great to see that you're still so positive about it. So, no, really, (laughs) really good to hear, and thanks for sharing your experience on the podcast. Oh, no, that's okay. I'm just glad that um, people are interested. I thought they'd be sick of all my posts by now. (laughs) But um, thank you to everyone on that post who's been so lovely. So, yeah. Oh, no, that's that's really good to hear. Yeah. If you would like to see the thread that Elisa started back when she went into quarantine uh, and has been posting there regularly through the quarantine period, the AFF thread is called Brisbane Hotel Quarantine Live, and I'll post a link to that in the episode notes.
Before I wrap up this episode, I just want to do a quick follow-up on last fortnight's episode where I brought you the story of the Finnair passengers left thousands of dollars out of pocket after they tried to claim compensation for flight delays. Since that podcast and a subsequent article that I wrote about the issue was released two weeks ago, the story has now been picked up by quite a lot of news websites and travel bloggers around the US and across Europe, and in particular, for some reason, the story has been really doing the rounds in Poland. At the time of recording last fortnight's podcast, Finnair had not responded to Australian Frequent Flyers' request for comment, despite us giving them ample time to do so. But shortly after my article was published, they did decide to respond. Now, to be fair to Finnair, I would like to let you know what they have to say about this. And uh, I'll quote you now the full response from Finnair. Finnair says that the airline complies with the EU261 obligation and pays compensation accordingly. In some cases, when we don't believe compensation is payable, we choose to defend our position as EU compensation-related costs form a considerable cost item of airlines. While we understand that the legal costs may have come as a surprise and caused a burden to individuals, Finnair's stance in this case was confirmed by the court ruling, and we have then exercised our right to recover the cost from if delayed's clients. Flight delays are always unfortunate, and sometimes the reasons behind them are beyond our control, like in this case. In every case, our first priority is to make sure our customers reach their destination as soon as possible. We always recommend contacting us directly to ensure open and transparent communication about the merits of the case before commencing legal actions. That's the end of the quote from Finnair, and that also brings us to the end of this episode of AFF On Air. Thank you very much for listening. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes. Here you'll also find a link to the AFF On Air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, where you're welcome to discuss the podcast or ask me a question to be answered in a future episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd take just a minute to review AFF On Air on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every episode as soon as it's released. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips, and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, safe travels. Listener.